Turtle, what's going on today? How you doing? Matt, my friend, we're all good over here. How about you? How's up? Yeah, going? yeah, it's all good here. It's uh, we're getting a heat wave. It's been ninety five plus every day. A little crazy. We're a little late on the pod last week. Um, I was up in Maine for a wedding, and uh, we were set to record. But then you had a uh, you had an emergency yesterday. You were called up to the big leagues, the pros, the pickleball pros. To tell me about that. I got called up to the big leagues, man. You know, they were uh, having some what type of tournament or something. Yeah, it was a small little tournament. It was great, though. Um, they had food and drinks there. Everyone was hanging out, you know, but you got paired up with one guy and you would just kind of do a round robin and play each team. So it was pretty fun, man. I thoroughly I enjoyed it. I played, I, played, I played well. You know, when you're uh, playing pickleball with people that you've never played with, you need to just find that rhythm. It's kind of the same thing as like recording a podcast or doing really anything that includes two people. You just got to find that rhythm. And then once that rhythm comes, you get a nice little uh, team, you know, you start getting some teamwork going and then you start dominating. So it it was fun. It was good. If I was going to do like a real paid tournament, I would definitely already know who my partner is going to be prior to that. So you're not just going in blind, you know? So round two tonight, or what are we doing tonight? Tonight is going to just be some of the, uh, basically just some of my friends. We're all just going to play and we're just going to smack it at each other real hard. That's really it. Just honing the skills. Okay. Honing the skills. Not a lot of dinking going on in, uh, in these type of games. Everyone just tries to ego blast it past people, which is still very much fun. Well, I still got to look into it uh, when it's a little bit cooler up here because it's hot as hell. I, you're not going to catch me running around. Matt, I'm in Florida. It's 95 down here. We play pretty much three times a week. So <sighs> just ain't used to it, man. It's good for the, uh, it's good for the spirit. Yeah. What, another thing that's good for the spirit is getting a nice trade done, especially in a dynasty league, getting a nice trade done turtle. We were both recipients of that today because we did a trade with each other. Why don't you break down what we did and then break it down from your perspective as to uh, why you were interested in, in making the deal. Well, first off, let me preface this by saying that myself and Matt have been on a trade embargo for probably almost a year at this point. We can never really come to an agreement on what's a fair deal. Just can't do it. And I think that's another thing that involves the ego. People don't want to give up a, a little bit too much or how they perceive to be a little too much. So it's been tough for me and Matt. But today we finally were able to come to an agreement on a trade, which I think was actually equal for both sides. And I think it was good value for both sides. So here's how it stands. Deontay Johnson. So Matt receives Deontay Johnson and a 2024 fourth round pick. And I received Rashad, a.k.a. the hype man, Bateman, and a 2024 second. And my thought process was looking at Matt's team. He has a lot invested in the Baltimore Ravens. So I knew at some point Matt was going to make a deal for Rashad Bateman, and I didn't want him to really throw him to anybody else in the league. So when the opportunity presented itself, he first came to me and he was like, would you give me Tyreek Hill and a 2023 second for Bateman? And I said, I don't know if I want to do away with Tyreek right now, just because I have the two a stack. So I didn't think it would really be necessary. I ended up saying, all right, would you take Deontay? And I think you went a little bit back and forth in your mind at first. You're like, "Ah, I don't know if I want Deontay. But eventually you're just like, all right, I'll do it. We said, I don't want to be that stingy guy in the league, you know, and we ended up getting a trade done. And I was happy about it. Yeah. So, I mean, as recently as the AFC North Stock Up, Stock Down podcast, which I think was two or three ago, 
I think we had simultaneous Rashad Bateman stock up for the Baltimore Ravens. We did. And I mean, it's not hard. That, that wasn't, you know, sticking your neck out or anything. You know, Hollywood out of town, Lamar back healthy, going to sign an extension. Them not doing anything in the offseason to, to crowd the wide receiver room further. I mean, Rashad Bateman stock up. I, th- I, I still stand by that. But uh, I had Deontay Johnson stock down when we did that episode. So, you know, there's there's inherent risk. And, and I acknowledge that, you know, having Deontay on my team now, the the quarterback situation there, it's not ideal. Uh, but that, a can be said, that, that can be said about maybe a quarter to, you know, just under half of half of the, the NFL teams where you can say it's not ideal. Right. Quarterbacks, the hardest position in football to fill. I did a little more research when we started getting serious on this trade to, to see, you know, how Trubisky went about propping up Allen Robinson as a dependable kind of low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two for a few years. And with the recent news kind of being out of pit that Pickens is, is um, he's not going to have a lot put on his plate, apparently. I, I mean, we're still early in the, the offseason training camp. You have to start for the for pit, but they said basically we're going to take it slow. We're not going to expect him to, to come in and, and do Jamar Chase things uh, in his first year. Great. So gut him for the long term, Deontay Johnson for the short term. Just need him to kind of be the Allen Robinson in that, in that offense for Trubisky. And this, for me, the optics of, of this trade were, as, as Tyler described, I also am the Mark Andrews owner, heavy investment in the Baltimore passing game. And, you know, I just, I wanted to diversify a bit, to, to have too many eggs in a passing basket that might be a smaller pie than, than most teams because they want to go run heavy. It just made sense. Now, Bateman very well may may go in and do just fine and they get two very large slices of a small pie and there and and him and andrews are, are fine and all things are dandy i also have as i said pickens which to me almost operates as like a handcuff for deontay johnson so worse things comes to worse deontay gets hurt well now pickens is going to be you know pushed up like more things are going to be expected so short-term I felt like I was covered, you know, in, in worst case, in an injury that I'm covered, in best case, Deontay Selfie plays a full 17. Even with the, the quarterback play possibly taking a step back, I feel like they'll be very similar. You know, I, I feel like these the, both these guys are, at least in 2022, going to be dependable wide receiver twos. And then I just like the idea that Deontay can kind of get out of Dodge and, and who knows what the possibilities are. Could he link up with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers? Could he link up with Patrick Mahomes? Could he link up with Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, right? I, Keenan Allen's getting old, right? I, I don't know. He could also just as well go to, I don't know, get that Jacksonville money. Uh, and, and maybe that's exciting with Trevor Lawrence if he has a good year. Maybe it's not, right? So who knows? But where, some may view that as a question mark. I kind of view that. I, I gave that a little extra value in terms of my trade. And, and I had Deontay Johnson higher, even if I had him as a faller from what his price point was, which was you know uh, a low-end wide receiver one if you're trying to do a dynasty startup. I think generally I'm good with him in terms of, as you, as you laid out, Turtle, the equivalency of the of the trade in this i was i was okay working over the second round pick 
for a player who's got a few good years on his resume already, which you, which you which you traded me and Deontay. And I think if there's another guy in our league who's as high on Bateman as I am, or just loves the guy as much as I do, it's you. So I'm glad he kind of got a good home. And I, I hope you give him a chance to show you his worth instead of moving him out the door before September comes. Yeah, no, I, I really do. I like the trade that was made because both guys could end up being the best wide receivers on their team. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take Mark Andrews out of the equation. I don't think that the Baltimore Ravens have another wide receiver that can even touch those type of elite numbers that Hollywood Brown did last year. So I really think that Bateman has to be the one to step in because I don't think it's going to be Dever Duvernay or I don't think it's going to be James Porsche. I don't think it's going to be either of those guys. So how I saw it was, well, there's opportunity there. Yes, the Ravens might not be throwing it as much as I want them to be, but we also got the news that J.K. Dobbins is going to start possibly start on the, the pup list. So right there in itself was like, all right, we'll give Bateman a shot. Plus, he's just such a hyped player. Like everything I see on his Twitter just makes me like like him that much more because he just always is looking like a savage. And I think that he could be a special type of player. I remember watching him when he played for University of Minnesota, and he was that type of player where he was like a Keenan Allen type player, just volume driven, and he would just get things done when they had the ball and when they put the ball in his hands. So He's I was excited about player. that. He's totally different than, than Hollywood Brown. He brings a totally different skill set. Yes. Bigger body. I don't want to knock Hollywood. I think he's a good little player, but he's small. He's a speedster. He's beat the defender and get it to me over the top. More of a tactician with Rashad Bateman. I think his ceiling, if he hits it in his career, it's going to be like a Keenan Allen-esque player where yeah. you got a bigger guy. He operates like a savage when he runs. He can run every single route. He's not blazing speed or trying to, you know, uh, win contested catches down the field like a, I don't know, like a big guy like Chase Claypool. But he's got a big frame. He's got a durable frame, and he's catching a lot of passes because he just gets open. That's what I, I envision his ceiling to be. So would be would be great if it works out for for both of us. And this is one where we'll have to you know revisit in some time and see how it plays out. Hopefully. You know, none of these guys get hurt in training camp because that yeah, was- of course, because we we know how Deontay is. He's just volume driven, and he's going to get the ball. They're going to figure out ways to get the ball in his hands, and we know that he could be such a great weapon, yeah. um, even on this Pittsburgh Steelers team that's a little bit questionable. Yeah, so I think that it's a good trade for both parties. So, on another note, we wrapped up our Scott Fishbowl drafts. Teams in, locked and loaded. Uh, I don't know, Turtle. Have to let me know when the waivers start and all that on that. But I, I feel like. We came away feeling pretty good. Our number one pick in Kyler Murray just just got the Brinks truck yesterday. So we're feeling good about that. You know, a happy QB, no drama. He's now going to go out there and perform to that contract, hopefully. How are you feeling about the team? And um, if there was one pick that you could change, what would it be? That's a tough one because I think that our team is very safe. I think we have a very safe team. I don't think that we chose too many high upside players besides for uh, Kyler Murray and then maybe Javante. I think Javante is considered a a very high upside player, but I think that what we did is we did take Deshaun Watson too. We did. Well, okay. Okay. Deshaun in the 11th round, because that's just a steal. If the guy plays, if the guy doesn't play, I believe. Yeah. That's a steal. 1109 is a steal. He could be, he could be the difference between us winning 
uh, and losing. I, I genuinely believe. But even if he doesn't play, we still have Kirk Cousins as our second QB. So we set ourselves up for success at the most important position in the Scott Fishbowl, which is quarterback. And there's no other position that really even comes close to what a quarterback is going to be putting up on a weekly basis. So for that reason, I think we're all set. Me and Matt have kind of different approaches as far as fantasy drafts. I like taking risks on the high upside players in the earlier rounds. And I think Matt likes to stay with the more safer players, which is completely respectable. He's very risk averse and there's nothing wrong with it. But like, I wanted to take a guy, my biggest, my biggest regret in that is not taking Travis Etienne. I think that's my biggest regret. Who do we take instead? Uh, I think Montgomery. That was between them two or was it uh, when we needed to take a wide receiver one? Um, no, I think delayed, it, we delayed the wide receiver one for some time. Yeah, we don't we don't have a true, true wide receiver one. Mike Williams is our best wide receiver. We also have Bateman. We have Robert Woods and we have who's the other older guy we took? It was right before Robert Woods. I forget who. Oh, Adam Thielen. Yeah, Thielen. So we have, we have some old dogs, which is great. We, that's all great for redraft. And I think those guys will smash past their ADP. So maybe maybe looking back at it, we do have some good high upside players. Like because Thielen was hurt last year, but he was dominant when he was on the field before he got injured. So maybe he'll go back to that same type of uh, you know year that he was on last year, and maybe he'll uh, just crush it for us. Yeah, if our QBs tank us, I'm going to accept full and total responsibility because after I reviewed the the scoring for the Scott Fish Bowl, I dug in and I said what we need are high efficiency quarterbacks because you actually get minus points if you're below a 66% completion rate and ones who have high touchdown upside total more more so even than yards and low turnover rate because the turnovers are so damn I think it's a minus 4 yeah they kill uh, you for a turnover they kill you so there's only a few guys that actually fit that mold and some of them, like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, have serious questions around who the heck are, is going to be catching the ball. And that kind of limits you in terms of that touchdown upside if, if, the, if the offenses aren't moving as efficiently. So Kyler seems to be a pretty good one, especially you know just, just knowing he's going to be there throwing the ball like crazy. They got... Hollywood there now. They got Hopkins going to come in mid-year fresh. That's kind of like getting an extra stud in the middle of the year for your quarterback. And then Cousins' numbers are just off the charts in terms of how they translate to this league. And then he's got the new coach who is very pass-happy. So add on that with what, you know, you lobbied for Watson and it made sense at that point, you know, despite me maybe hating the guy's guts, but who knows if he provides some injection down, down the stretch there when we need it. So, you know, I thought turtle, you'd say you, the one regret you had is that I really dug in vociferously opposed to drafting a one Byron Pringle. So, <laughs> I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Let's do an impromptu uh, state your case. Let's have you make the case for, you know, why in the back half of your, and I shouldn't say back half, the very late rounds of your fantasy draft. Why should anyone draft the child endangered uh recent um arrestee 
Byron Pringle. Man, you're putting me on the spot. All right. I mean, Byron I'll Pringle. What. No, I'll while, take it. While you're while you're going while you're doing that, I'm gonna look up some stats here because simultaneous to that, you've been knocking in our league chat Brian Robinson Jr. saying he's a bum, Alabama bum, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Let me put together some quick numbers for you while you're talking Pringle. And I'm going to state my case, an impromptu state the case. I'll, I'll state the case for Brian Robinson. You state the case for a minute here for Byron Pringle to give me some time to, to pull something together. All right. So Hingle, Byron, Pringle. Like you said, just like you just said, if he could put his legal troubles behind him with that child endangerment charge, I think he's going to be due for a big opportunity share in that pretty crappy Chicago's Bears offense. The main reason I like Pringle is because he's basically a free lottery ticket in the late, late, late rounds of your fantasy drafts, whether it's in redraft or startup. I probably wouldn't take him in in a, in a, re, in a uh, redraft league, but to each his own. The only threat to his target share is going to be Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. I do not see Keneal Harry or St. Brown's brother, Equinemius, <laughs> <laughs> taking any targets away from Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle had a decent year last year. He didn't have crazy numbers, but he went for over 500 yards with five touchdowns, and he was buried so deep on that Chiefs depth chart. Once he started making some plays, they started playing him over Miracle Hardman, which was very positive to see. And the Bears went out, the Bears went out and got him. Like they yes, it's a one-year deal. It's not a lot of money almost $5 million for a one-year deal. But I don't see why they wouldn't get him on the field. Last year, he set a career in fantasy points per game at a modest, very modest, 7.4 per game. And like I said, he was buried deep on that, that Chiefs depth chart. He didn't make a, a, any crazy plays, but he was consistent, you know? So I think that if you're going to take a chance on a late-round wide receiver to just stash on your bench i don't see why you wouldn't take it with pringle because at this point he is the second wide receiver on the chiefs on the uh, bears depth chart and i think he's going to get some good opportunity this year that's it it's nothing crazy it's not like he's going to be a league winning type of player but if one of your studs gets hurt and you need someone to fill in he might suffice he might do the job so that that's why i think hingle mccringle pringle is a decent bench stash in your startup drafts or your dynasty leagues. All right. Uh, do you remember who we took over him? Was it big, big play Zay? Yeah, we took big play Zay. All right. So we followed the money a little bit. We followed that uh, very rich overpaid. Uh, that Jaguars. Uh, money. We get in Jaguars money. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's getting about 8 million a year. Old Zay Jones. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll compare Zay and uh, hopefully neither of those guys would have ever touched our lineup if they did. Something went wrong with our first like 17 picked players. So, yeah, but I will say in terms of the uh, good, good layout, you know, you didn't you didn't oversell them. I would hate to ever hear you be one of those clickbait guys on the show and, and say he's going to be a league winner. That's tossed around way too frequently. And it's makes me Hingle McPringle. <laughs> Dude, there's no chance that he's a league winning player. But all I'm saying is he's gonna be on the field. And if Justin Fields takes a liking to him, 
He could be better than most people think. Like he's. Just, I, I understand. I understand. I'm going to tell you one. I'm going to tell you two things. I think behind Komet and Mooney, I think our boy, our our RB three in the Scott Fishbowl, David Montgomery, is probably going to have the third most targets on that team, or at least I hope, because uh, that will help us tremendously. Yeah, that will help us tremendously. That will help you tremendously too. Hey, um, I also have him in Dynasty. True. Yeah. How many? Uh, how many? Pa- how many ca- uh, passes did he catch last year? He, no? well, it's different, right? Because he was out for a few games, but I will tell you when Justin Fields was the quarterback, he averaged five targets from Justin Fields, which is nice. I mean, yeah, that's five, nice. if we're doing the math real quick, that would be like 16 times five is like 80 targets. I mean, that's not chump change. And I just did 16 instead of the 17 because we don't care about the last game, but 80 targets would be nice. Um, that that would put him probably in the top five or six targeted RBs. The the other thing with with Montgomery too is you know I I don't know uh, I, we're we're not talking about Pringle anymore. We're talking about Montgomery, but I think I think he's gonna surprise. I, just because when I look at that offense outside of of Mooney and Komet, I'm like, how are these guys even planning to move the ball? Yeah, uh, but oh, I, the other point that I said two things on Pringle. That the second thing was. I had a similar conviction on a similar type of player last year. I drafted Quez Watkins in our dynasty startup very late, around 23 out of 25 rounds, whatever. Because I saw that same opportunity. I saw, hey, you know, he's, he's the number two to Devontae Smith. He's going to be on the field all the time. And guess what? He was. And, and the other thing was it didn't amount to crap. Every time I played him, trying to pick that week where he's going to catch a touchdown or something, it just ended in disaster. So, like, I was very much seeing parallels to Quez Watkins and Byron Pringle, and like, it's just a nightmare to own. Let someone else have that nightmare. Was my point of view. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. But you might be right. So, Brian Robinson, I'm delaying enough. You're not a big Brian Robinson stand whatsoever. I no. think when you draft a guy in the third round, uh, you come out and you say he does things that we don't currently have the skill set on our team. He's very efficient in these areas of the field, et cetera, et cetera. He was the all-star from one of the sides at the senior bowl. He is very well known for his, his pass protection and his grittiness, stuff like that. Those types of things get you on the field as a rookie. And then you have the opportunity to stay on the field if you perform well with your touches, but to get on the field is, is the first part and day two picks third round picks for you know some positions you don't expect much tight ends even wide receivers if you if they're a, a third round pick but for running backs that's a different story uh, aside from aside from what he's done kind of in the off season and the coach speak and everything which which you guys can look up i'm going to throw some numbers at you come out a little fast and furious here but these are over his time at alabama over over Brian Robinson's time at Alabama, the best while, while he was an Alabama uh, player, the best running back season that was had was in 2020. That was by Najee Harris. So Brian Robinson was there for five years. the The running backs that he played alongside were Najee Harris, Damian Harris, and Josh Jacobs. Two of which were a first round two of which were first-round picks in Jacobs and Najee. And then, of course, Damian Harris. Uh, I think he was a 
third, I think it was a fourth round pick, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Came out the same year as, as Jacobs, but you know, he's doing his thing now with, with the Patriots. The best season uh turtle was Najee Harris. He he ran the ball for fourteen hundred sixty-six yards and twenty-six touchdowns on two hundred fifty carries. So almost hit fifteen hundred yards, had twenty-six tuds. Then he goes, he gets drafted first overall. Uh, first running back off the board to pit that following year. And the season prior to that, Najee ran for 1,224 yards and 13 touchdowns. So he has the outlier, the nearly 1,500 yards, 26 touchdowns on the ground, another four through the air, and that elevates him to first round. The year before, he had, in that offense, a little over 1,200 yards and 13 touchdowns. Okay, that was his second best season. Now, this again, over this time period where we're looking at, over these five years when Brian Robinson was there, after Najee's outlier season, the second best running back season at Alabama was better than the Najee year, right? Prior to um, his the the outlier that w- that we just were talking about, the big thirty touchdown season. Najee's second season, where he had twelve hundred and thirteen, was beaten by Brian Robinson's senior season last year. Brian Robinson had almost thirteen hundred and fifty yards and fourteen touchdowns, and then he collected another three hundred yards and two touchdowns through the air. So the guy went for almost 1,650 yards and 16 touchdowns, beating out Najee's second-best season by over 100 yards and, let's see, one touchdown on the ground. Before that, the Josh Jacobs and the Damian Harris, you know, they didn't do much. Jacobs had one year 876 and nine touchdowns on the ground, another year 640 and 11 touchdowns on the ground. Damian Harris's best season was 1,000 yards on the ground and 11 touchdowns. All of these were beaten by Brian Robinson, save for that one Najee season that made him go first overall. So, yeah, he was surrounded by a lot of talent. Yeah, he had to bide his time. But that's like saying, you know, like, let's not count Jamison Williams' big season because he couldn't crack it behind Olave and Garrett Wilson and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba and had to change teams and, and wait all those guys out and move. I don't know. Am I expecting the world from him? No. But this guy, he's not a slouch. He put up the second best running back season at Alabama over the past five years. And now he goes into a season where there's a lot of ambiguity in the backfield. And I think he's just, I think he's going to overperform the expectations that people have for him and overperform the draft capital that you have to invest in order to acquire him. And if I was speaking to any Antonio Gibson owners out there, I would say send the feelers out for Brian Robinson and try to acquire him because by week six, maybe earlier, maybe a little later, plus or minus two games, you might have the starting running back on the commanders. That's the case for B-Rob. It's not a bad case, man, because the good thing about Brian Robinson is he's an actually a true running back, unlike Antonio Gibson. So he's got that in his favor. He was good enough to make it to Alabama. You kind of just you kind of just proved to me why he actually is worthy worthy of of being on your team and using a draft pick to acquire him. I did I didn't expect pick. that when I when I pulled up those numbers while you were talking Pringle. I didn't expect him to have the fifth best uh, over the past five years. He's got the second best season, only aside to Najee's season that made him a first round pick. That's that's pretty crazy to me. Now, granted, some of those backfields were you know. 
the years where Najee and Jacobs and Damian Harris were all there, right? You can't take that away. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, he got it all to himself, and and he put up the second best season in that time frame. That's and you know what? Like you said, he's a traditional running back. And guess what? Ron Rivera is a very traditional coach. You fumble the ball, you're in the doghouse. He's one of those guys. Like we in the fantasy community look at it, and the in the the analytics community can say, you know what? That fumble should not sit the guy for the rest of the game because you're hurting your team more than you are making a point because that guy is the starter for a reason. Coaches don't see it that way. Like, and, and Ron Rivera is one of those old school dudes. So he is. I, I was like going to say, I, he fell in. I would like to see what the uh, numbers are in the statistics on fifth year seniors coming into the NFL in their rookie years. Cause I don't think that happens too often at the running back position, at least. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're probably right. I would like to see those numbers. I don't know how you would find them. You'd have to do a lot of digging, um, but it's something to be interested in. Yeah. Okay. So Scott Fishbowl, trade talk, impromptu, make your case. Let's dive into the normally scheduled program here. We're talking the AFC West, stock up, stock down. This is a, this is going to be a hell of a division this year with all this new firepower that came in via trade and signing in the offseason, even via the draft. And the interesting thing is, I believe, I should have I checked this, but I've heard this on, on um, NFL Network. The AFC West and the NFC West, I believe, play each other outside of division. So not only do these high power offenses get to play each other twice, but they also play the NFC West, which we'll do on our next podcast, but is also, I mean, minus Seattle, just chock full of offensive talent. So we're talking, these are good offenses to have pieces of, but like any other team with things are moving around, people within these offenses are, are seeing their stock rise and they and fall. So let's turtle each pick out a few players from each team. That um, either we or the market has has seen go up or go down in one direction or another due to the the goings on this off season. Yeah, where do you want to start, man? Uh, as always, I'm going to defer to you. All right, let's start with the Chiefs then. Okay, I'll start. I'll say the uh, first stock up player or riser, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. for the Kansas City Chiefs is no other than Juju Smith Schuster. Okay. And you want to know why? It's because he is still such a young talent. He's only 25 years old. A few years ago, during his sophomore season, he had an absolutely elite campaign. We know what he's capable of. He obviously was injured. So he's finally back to health. And I think that he could easily slot in to the Chiefs offense as the true wide receiver one on that team. I don't think it's going to be Scantling. Obviously, it's going to be Kelsey, but I don't think there's much other than Juju and Scantling on that team. So let's just let's just say we'll slot Juju in as the wide receiver one on that team. Right now, he's being drafted at an ADP of 73, which is only wide receiver 39. And he's coming into a very large opportunity share and target share. That's, the, the balls need to go somewhere. They can't all go to Travis Kelsey. So I think if Juju can step up, He's going to smash that ADP, and people are going to be so pleasantly surprised with them in their drafts this year. As long as Juju can stop doing his TikTok dances, I think he's going to be just fine in the NFL and on a very, very, very potent Kansas City Chiefs offense. 
Okay. I, I'm going to stick with the passing game. I'm going to go a, a little bit elsewhere. I'm going to stock up Sky Moore. He's being drafted in uh, single QB dynasty startups. Uh, this ADP, I refreshed the data for this morning. So it's from today, July 22nd. He's going 79th overall. That's good for the wide receiver 37 off the board. I can't say that I personally agree with how high he's going. I mean, that's just outside of wide receiver three territory. That's the first pick after wide receiver three at, at the wide receiver 37. But clearly the market has been pushing this guy up and up and up. So as I was looking at the numbers, I wanted to, you know, lay something out. Like let, let's, let's talk about the chiefs receiving options after Kelsey. I mean, it's, it's absolutely wide open. And I mean, bold, underlined, wide open, all caps. MVS, Nicole Hardman, Juju. I think we've really seen what type of players they are. Over the years, we have enough film on, on all of them where we kind of see you know, their ceilings and their floors and even their, their medians. I think that leaves more as like the wild card with, with that potential tremendous upside if he strikes up a rhythm with, with Mahomes. As I thought through this, I said, okay, the offense is changing. Reek is gone. Let's pencil in Mahomes for 4,500 passing yards, which would be the lowest number of his career. Now, he's actually had a lower number than that, but that was his injury shortened season with the knee and everything. But he was averaging to go above that 4,500. Let's say in a healthy season on, a, on per game average, his lowest of his career would be 4,500. Let's say that's what he gets this year. And let's say that Travis Kelsey has the number one option, takes 1,500 of those yards, which would be the most ever of Travis Kelsey's career. So Mahomes with his lowest, Kelsey with his highest. We still got 3,000 yards, Turtle, to divvy up among MBS and Mecole Hardman and the running backs and, um, like to your point, Juju. And, and this guy here that the market's been pushing up Sky more. So I can see the dots connecting where it's like, yeah, okay. MVS is going to catch a couple deep balls. Nicole's going to catch a couple deep balls. Like that's, you know, a couple hundred yards each when you look at their careers. But is there a guy like as a rookie who who can get 850 yards at a minimum? Yeah. I mean, I look at this offense and if they're going to stay pass happy, I could see that. I could see him pushing for, you know, that 850 line where we want to see rookie receivers at least uh, get to if they're going to be that breakout year two player. Um, you want that kind of high performance in, in year one. So I've seen this move that this is this is me kind of stating more of what the market is is doing over over what I personally believe. You know, we have a team in our league they need some help, and uh, their first pick this year was was Sky Moore. So um, our sound engineer Rosie, we need him to come through for for you. So Sky Moore to the moon and turn that franchise around, Rosie. Matt, he's also got Juju. So he's actually in a pretty solid position right there where he could see who's being a much better player throughout the year. And then he can flip that one guy, which is what he should be doing. And that's what his thought process should be since he owns two of the most, you know, highest potential Chiefs wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think maybe the 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 range on those two are a little wider. Than, than most wide receivers, but if they both are clicking, those are, are good pieces to have. So who would you rather have? That's the real question. Would you rather have the proven asset in Juju, or would you rather take the guy that we've never seen play in the NFL? Me, personally, I would take I would take Sky Moore. 
Interesting. I just take, you know, because honestly, I like, I know what Juju is and I know like, this is a, this is a, a later round thing. Like it, it's not something you have to do in the early rounds. Yeah. So I would, I would maybe be a little bit more risque with uh, this guy more unknown. That's fair. All right. Let's talk stock down for that same team. Yeah. For me, I have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Same. Same. How could, how could you not? How oh. could you not? Dude, just the thought of it just it makes me so unwell. Cringe. It Cringe. makes me it's so unwell. I mean, he is possibly the worst rookie 101 pick ever. Like I, I don't even know what to say. Like can it like past 10 years doesn't seem enough. People were taking this man over Jonathan Taylor. Wow. Gross. Talk about gross. You go ahead, beat up on CEH and then I'll uh, while he's down, I'll kick him a few more times. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I could say about Clyde is that he's just been an utter disappointment for the fantasy community and in real life, yeah, which is even him. worse, which is even worse, because I feel like even his team doesn't love him too much right now. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was a first-round pick. He was lucky enough to be drafted by the high-powered Chiefs offense, but he hasn't lived up to the hype at all. I want to say that there's still hope for him, but... With the acquisition of Ronald Jones, I think that even muddied the water further because if if Ronald Jones comes out and proves something, I think that Ronald Jones could actually take that backfield by storm. Last year, Clyde, or rather his rookie year, he rushed for 803 yards with four touchdowns and 36 receptions. Sorry, he rushed for he he rushed for 803 yards and then he had another 36 receptions for 300 yards and one touchdown. Last year, he took a huge step back. I mean, partly due to injury, but mainly in part to his utilization on the offense. They don't want to use him, and you could see that they don't want to use him. I think that this is an absolute make-or-break season for Clyde, and if he can't stay on the field, he's going to be in big trouble. I do not think that he will be a Kansas City Chief next year. So for me personally, I don't want anything to do with him, and I would much rather just take the later shot at the cheaper asset in Ronald Jones as somebody in the Chiefs' backfield. I don't think, Turtle, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that if he flops again this year, he's he's out of the league. You really think? I mean, you're a first-round pick. Those people tend to get to get picked off the, the recycling pile, but that's usually other positions, the offensive linemen, the quarterbacks. the uh, We just saw Josh Rosen get signed, right? The, the wide receivers. RBs, man, their window is shorter. Much, much shorter than these other positions. I mean, is there a team that hates their running back more than Ronald Jones? I mean, more than um, the Chiefs hate CH? I mean, you can make an argument that that it's Trey Sermon and the 49ers because, God, they hate that man. But, um, yeah, I mean, things just haven't gotten better year over year for CEH. I mean, he lost the lead role to McKinnon in the playoffs. They go out, they sign Rojo, as you said, early in free agency, too. And then they drafted a very interesting size size slash speed prospect in Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, all these, all these moves like, and then they go out and re-sign Jarek McKinnon that they're not moves with confidence in our, in CEH. I mean, it's the, it's the inverse. It's the, it's the coaching staff telling you that they don't trust this guy. They don't want to play this guy. Let's, let's go scattershot in our approach and hope something else works. Cause we know that this guy doesn't work. He's broken. He's proven he's a poor goal line rusher. You can't, depend on him when we're talking fantasy right like that you want those money touches he's not going to give you those no money touches. and he's not inexpensive you got to draft him 74 overall in dynasty startups he's the rb 27 so i mean that's just too expensive for me 
down, down, down. Don't want anything to do with this guy. Nothing to do with them. Poor Liam. He's just rolling with Clyde. I think he feels good about it, too. Oh, poor Liam, then. <laughs> I hope he, he's going to listen to this, and he's not going to be happy. But, I mean, these are just the facts. Like, this, like bias has been removed from the equation. When you, when you hit the record button and you throw on the headphones, like, don't care about the teams. We're just we're we're talking reality, statistically based here. This is not to pump and dump player names uh, or, or get this small advantage. Like for the wider community, this is the viewpoint. Fully out on CH. Yes. Let's go to Denver. Very exciting team. Stock up. I have Russell Wilson. Makes sense. Okay, he's the QB nine in dynasty startups. Now the weapons might be quote similar. You know, if you say, okay, who, uh, there's a lock at level talent and uh, there's a DK level talent, or, you know, maybe DK is the most, is the best one, but there's more weapons because he's got Patrick and he's got uh, KJ Hamler and there's, there's more depth on it. Whatever the case may be, I think weapons wise, Wilson is not going to have a problem in terms of being starved of talent from the receiving positions. I think his RBs now are arguably better in, in the tandem of Gordon and Javante, and we know that the run sets up the pass. I also think the likelihood that the coaching staff allows Russ to, quote, cook is going to be higher. I mean, getting out from under Pete Carroll's thumb is big, really, really big for, for Russell Wilson in terms of him being able to hit his ceiling game after game after game instead of waiting for the team to get into a big hole and Pete Carroll saying, go dig us out, and him having a great second half of the game. and. Those are the weeks you enjoy as a fantasy owner. I think it's going to be much more steady. He's also rushed less in previous seasons. I, I personally believe that, that we're going to see some return to his scrambling uh, and picking up some extra fantasy points on the ground. So with a rising Russian floor, the, the optimism in the coaching outlook, for me, he's an easy choice for a QB1 finish. I don't think that is an aggressive uh, statement, especially being drafted as a QB9. You're expecting a QB1 finish. I think it's safe to say that's what you will get. But I think he's got sneaky appeal for top six upside. I think you could be getting a guy who, at the end of the year, he he's sitting in, in the, the, the QB6 position at year's end or, or maybe even higher. Uh, if there's injuries ahead of him, I can see him going higher in terms of overall QB finish. And uh, that, that's giving you an asset on the rise, especially because QBs are playing longer and longer and longer in this, in this league. And they've locked up a lot of assets there. You know, Tim Patrick signed. Jerry Judy, still on a rookie deal. Sutton signed. Like, so the core is there. Javante, rookie deal. And if he does well with these weapons, it's only going to get better year over year. So very high on Russell Wilson. Turtle, who you got? You just said prior, don't like, don't pump up these guys. But I'm going to tell you who my guy is. He's on my team in multiple leagues. It's, it's Sutton. Sutton, daddy, you call him. Yeah, I call him Sut Daddy, but I really do see a breakout on the horizon. Cortland Sutton did nothing but disappoint fantasy owners last year, but I really don't think that that was any fault of his own. Let me ask you a question. I don't want to disrupt your thought process, but would you rather have Sutton on your team or Deontay? Deontay. Okay. So I did go for, you know, because I probably probably could have got Sutton straight up for Bateman, right? Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. That's that was what I was trying to do the other day okay. with you. I, I would have. Yeah, I would have done that. Um, so you, you believe Sutton's high, but you're also saying. I think. I mean, I think. I think. Do you want to see some of that before you rank? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that there's a huge breakout on the horizon for him. 
And I think that it's very evident that Russell Wilson carries multiple top 15 receivers year after year. But like I was saying, I don't think his play last year was any fault of his own. He was coming off of an ACL injury. He had very, very piss poor quarterback play. So now two years removed from that ACL tear, he gets the biggest, most massive quarterback upgrade in Russell Wilson, your boy. And the thing about it is, I think that he is the red zone target regardless. It's not going to be Albert O. It's not going to be Jerry Judy. It's got to be Sutton. Who else is there to throw into the red zone? You, you told me this the other week. You said the DK, you can't compare him to DK Metcalf. And I agree with that because DK Metcalf is an absolute freak of nature. And I don't think Cortland Sutton is as athletic or as fast as DK but I think that he can fill that role just due to his downfield presence and his red zone presence. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I mean, there's no, uh, there, there, there's, there's, I think a tier or two between Sutton and, and DK in terms of talent. Now where they finish yes. on the, the 2022 wide receiver end of season scoring ranks, it might be close or Sutton might be ahead, but uh, real world, you know, taking the team and the performance aside and, and going on athlete. Yeah. DK, I think. Well, of course in, in, a, in, a, in dynasty, you're going to always want to take the sure. younger assets. So, you know, that's going to be DK plus DK has proven that he is an elite weapon this year. He's going to probably suck, but can't say the same for Cortland Sutton, but in 2019, he averaged 13.8 points per game. Before the injury, um, 13 point. Yeah. So that was, that was his, I think that was his second year. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that he could be successful in the NFL. And I think he just really needs to put that all together. And I think with the help of Russell, it's going to help him tremendously right now. He's going off the board in Superflex dynasty startups as the wide receiver 27. And I think that he could surpass that easily. And like I said already, Russell Wilson carries top 15 wide receivers year in and year out. And I don't see the reason why it wouldn't be Sutton this year. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, he had a good second season. Yeah. Second season, then tore the ACL year three, then, you know, had the, you know, scrubby season last year with the lock Bridgewater tandem. So we're two years removed from, from that nice season. And and we'll see if, if Wilson can help him turn back the clock. I hope so. All right, stock down. I had Alberto. I don't want to spend too much time on this. He's a tight end. Uh, he's he's a low end tight end. I, I don't I don't want to spend too much time talking tight end. Right. So, I, personally, I was never into the hype for Alberto. I mean, following the fan trade uh, and Wilson arriving in Denver, uh, it got out of control. You saw PFF saying Albert Oh is now a, a top twelve tight end. It's like no, he's not. Like no, he's not. Just just. Stop. Like Russell Wilson has never, you know, I, I challenge you to name me a tight end who Russell Wilson made a uh, tight end one. It just, it hasn't happened. I mean, if you don't have a top end, top four to five tight end, you, you're just in the blob of all the other tight ends. So there's no, there's no, just punt it. There's no sense in, in, in trying to, to pick the next hotness. You're going to get it wrong. It happens every single year. You're you're better off just just waiting to the end of your draft and just taking a flyer on someone. And if you can do it at the way end of your draft, then sure, grab grab Albert uh, grab Alberto. But the recent stuff where where he's going to be in a possibly split committee at tight end, or maybe Greg Dulcich just takes the job entirely. I mean, these aren't these aren't positive things to be hearing, you know, in a, in an off season where all you get is 
fluff and positivity to hear that. I mean, count me out. Don't don't want anything to do with do with the man. But moving on, you know, he's he's falling down draft boards as well in, in real life. So I think the market sentiment has been changing. His stock has has fallen, you know, from from tight end twelve. Now it's it's uh, around tight end seventeen turtle. So so I think the market's reacting similarly to how I feel about him. I think you're right. What I'm about to say next is going to very be very jarring for people to hear, but my stock down is going to have to be Javante Williams. Oh, Lord. And it's not because of the talent. It's not because of it's not it's not because of the talent. Let's put it that way. It's nope. because they re-signed Melvin Gordon. I think the whole fantasy and dynasty community at the end of last year thought and hoped and prayed that Melvin Gordon wouldn't come back so they could fully unleash Melvin Gordon or uh, fully unleash Javante Williams. Everyone was praying. And it didn't happen, and it's a damn shame. That's the reason that he's down. He's RB5 in dynasty startups right now, and I think that's so expensive for a split committee. Like It's going to probably be another 50-50 split. And like we just said already, Russell Wilson loves to throw the ball. He loves to throw the ball, and I think that the, the beneficiaries of that are going to be the wide receivers more than the running backs this year. Because I don't think Russell Wilson's a, too much of a dump-off type of uh, quarterback. He had a great year last year, even with Melvin Gordon there. He had 903 rushing yards, four touchdowns, and then he added another 316 receiving yards with three touchdowns. That is a great rookie year. Yep. But I don't think that he's going to surpass that again this year. I don't think he's going to smash past that like everyone hoped for. I think he's going to have very similar numbers. He might break the thousand because hopefully they give him the 60 40 split instead of a 50 50 split. But I wouldn't bank on it because I've seen some crazy videos of Melvin Gordon during offseason. That guy looks like a savage and he's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's, he's, a, pure, he's a pure professional. Yeah. And he's going to be involved, he's man. He's yeah, going to be involved. How could you like, how could you sit there and say he's not going to be involved? Like they're going to involve him and i think that that's why it's such a crapshoot because half the time last year you'd be watching the nfl game you'd be watching the broncos game and you'd be like oh javante's gonna score a touchdown here and then all of a sudden melvin gordon comes in and poaches that touchdown Mm -hmm. and i think that that's when that's what's going to happen again this year which is a damn shame like i said but until he has that backfield to himself or doesn't have to be in in competition with like another quote-unquote elite running back i think it's going to be a struggle for him Mm. So that's why yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. We got him in Scott Fishbowl too, so it's unfortunate if that. Yeah, happens. and if 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 a Melvin Gordon injury happens, it's a completely different story. But it's just it's just the reality. Like he's not going to get even seventy percent of the workload. It's going to be much more of an even split. Yeah, I mean, contrary to what some may believe, I don't wish injuries on. on no, people. no, me neither. I don't. I like Melvin Gordon. I've always liked Melvin Gordon. So there's no reason to wish injuries. It's just it's a bad situation for Javante because I'm sure Javante wants to be unleashed fully. Certainly is. All right. Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders uh, turtle stock up. Who do you have? You know, we got Derek Carr. If you don't have Derek. Okay. Okay. We got Derek Carr. Me too. Me too. Why don't you start? We can we can tag team this one. I mean, he's the ultimate riser this year. He really is. I think he might be the ultimate riser out of anybody in the NFL. I mean, when I broke down the the Adams trade when it happened a few months ago, honestly, as I went player by like meaningful player by player, 
Carr came away as the biggest winner to me. And honestly, wow. nothing has changed my mind on that over the past few months. Yeah. I mean, look at his weapons. I mean, that's really all you got to say. He has elite weapons. He's got Devontae. He's got Renfro. He's got Waller. And then he's got a great running back in Josh Jacobs. I know everybody doesn't really like Josh Jacobs in the dynasty community for whatever reason. But Josh Jacobs is a very good player, and he's in a 1,000-yard rusher year in and year I mean, out. I, I wrote down the same thing, Turtle, very similar. Uh, basically, his trio of receiving weapons, I challenge people to name a better trio, maybe outside of Cincinnati's receiving yeah, exactly. trio and the Chargers receiving trio, counting Austin Eckler as, as part of that trio as opposed to the wide receiver three. Obviously, because Waller doesn't play wide receiver, but in terms of receiving options, Charger, like I can't think of a team with three uh, just really good players. Some of the best route runners in the NFL, really. Devontae and Renfro are some of the best route runners in the NFL. And Waller appears to be over his his injury that he had, the IT band issue, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, he's under 30 i believe i think he's 29 and obviously he plays tight end so so that's that's a fine age you know that's a nice ripe age um with with the years ahead of him i do think that waller probably does take the biggest hit to be honest with you, you out think of, so? yeah out of Devonte and renfro just because Devonte is such a great red zone target and i think that they're, I, it's hard to project project and predict this, but I think that they're just going to have such an amazing rapport instantly. I mean, they played college together. I know that was many many years ago, but they have they have that old old school chemistry. So I don't yeah. see why they wouldn't be just crafting that right now and just working on it every day. Because Devonte, people are telling me that Devonte is not going to be a top five wide receiver this year, and I just am like, oh my god, Derek Carr literally threw for. What did he throw for? He threw for over 4,800 yards. Yeah, he was just shy of 5,000, I believe. That's crazy. Not I mean, even any other quarterbacks were even like that close. Only a couple went over 5,000, and then it was Derek Carr. Right? At yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a dark horse for QB1. The market's drafting him as um, as the in Dynasty Startups as the QB16. I got QB18 on DFL, which yeah, is just disrespect. Yeah, this is, this is Fantasy Pros data. So, I mean, when the dust settles on the 2022 season, I think he does finish as a back-end QB1. Yes. And when you have that on your resume, you have an ongoing asset that is rising in value. People are going to look at that QB position in your Superflex Leagues and Dynasty, which um, is the best format to play. And they're going to say, hey, yeah, I want that QB1. I just saw those weapons. All those weapons stayed. Like, uh, yeah, give me a piece of that. So... I see him, this is me more so than the market. He's a stock up guy for me and nothing has changed. Agreed. Who's your stock down? Turtle, this one hurts the soul to say, because I love the dude. I had a really rough start to the season with injuries and, and players I was depending on, like Henry Ruggs and stuff last year. But then I swung a trade and I landed a one Hunter Renfro. No one believed in that guy. And everyone was still healthy at the time. You know, Waller was still there and all that. And I, I got him really cheap for a future, like, 2023 third round or something like that. And he just went on to have just a great year. And this this hurts me to say, but he's my stock down because while I have a soft spot for him, you got to be practical. His stock took a huge hit when Adams came to town. The Waller drumbeat this offseason has been the team leaning towards a contract renewal in the year in the near future. 
which that was the more discouraging part for me as a Renfro stan, which is, sure, Devante comes to town, he's the alpha, great. But, you know, Renfro's solid, like, he can still do damage. Now you got Waller, who's, he's got just as good chemistry, whatever you can say about Renfro and his chemistry with, with Carr, Waller's got just as good chemistry, and I don't think that can be argued. And now, that's another mouth to feed. Like you said, McDaniels, he likes to use his running backs. Um, we see that the Patriot way. They pass to the running backs. It hurts with all the weapons being great for Carr. The target redistribution that's going to occur in this offense, to me, hurts Renfro the most. Sending his draft stock well behind some of these unproven rookies in my mind. You know, Renfro stands at wide receiver 44. If I had to choose between uh, previously mentioned Sky Moore and Renfro, give me Sky Moore because his ceiling is kind of unknown, whereas I think we may have seen the best we've seen of Renfro last year prior to these this new big weapon coming to town in Adams and likely Waller getting re-upped and that big weapon being healthy and sticking around for years to come. So, hurts to say, but Renfro. Yeah, and I I went back and forth on who my stock down was as well, and I took the opposite approach. I think that Renfro is going to still be extremely heavily targeted in the offense, and I think Darren Waller is going to actually be the one that takes the hit. Okay. And it's not... It's not like a it's not like a extremely easy observation to make, but I just think that because of Devontae Adams' red zone presence, I think that he's going to be targeted more than Waller. And I just think that Waller seems to have a lot of health issues year after year. I guess going off the premise, if Waller stays healthy, my answer would definitely be changing. But I kind of baked in the fact that I think Waller's probably not going to stay healthy all year. And that's the only reason why his stock's down. I mean, last year he only played 11 games. And remember the day, remember the remember the uh, first week of the season, he, he had 19 targets. I remember. You had him on your team and you were facing me. I didn't like it. He didn't even come close to that type of game after that. I think his next biggest was 11, which is still great. But I just think with Devontae in town and Renfro getting a nice big contract, I think that his his targets are going to go down even lower to maybe like five or six targets per game. And Devontae is going to be at that 10 piece and Renfro is going to be at that like six to seven range per game. I really think that that's that's how it's going to work, because I just I don't see a world where where Waller's being used as much as he was at the beginning of last year. So I think that that's the reason why it stocks down. Well, if Fro does better than I think. You know, I like it. You know, he's my, you know, you know, he's my accountant. That's, that's my nickname for him. Cause the accountant is still going to ball dude, just because of how well he runs targets or runs uh, routes. I mean, going to count those beans every week and <laughs> add up to the end of the season. All right. Here's a fun team. The Los Angeles chargers will shut it down with them. Stock up. I got Josh Palmer. It's really hard, like you know, uh, to to move any of the weapons up higher than than where they're going. I mean, you could argue about Justin Herbert year over year progression. For me, I just kind of looked and I said, I looked at what Jalen Guyton did, and I just was like, meh. I looked at what they did in the off season, and they didn't bring in weapons. I think the team is expecting Josh Palmer to take a step. So, I mean, it's a little bit of a bet, 
you know, the L.A. Chargers offense taking yet another step forward. Uh, Palmer beating out Guyton. Herbert being a little more reliant on his wide receiver three, which might be the, the fifth passing game option, maybe after Eckler and the tight end, who knows, in the top two wide receivers, or maybe he jumps up to the fourth option. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, the draft cost, which in startups is wide receiver 71 or 168th off the board, it's low enough for me to say, hey, that's a cheap way to, to potentially get a piece of this explosive offense. and. There's not a lot that you have to do over the course of the season to return value on draft capital that has you slotted at the 71st in your respective position. So I expect no matter how the season goes for him to to outperform his draft capital with the, the upside for much, much more. So Josh Palmer, stock up, LAC, who you got? I got none other than Mike Glass-Williams. All right. Let's I mean, it. it's sim- it's. I mean, it's simple. I still think he's being the dis- industry's behind you, Turtle. Yeah, I just think he's being. You. I still think he's being disrespected on um, where he's getting drafted. Um, I think he's in like the mid twenties still. But remember last year when he came so hot out of the gates, he was wide receiver two overall through the first five games. I do remember that. That was crazy, and I just think the reason why his stock's going to be up a little bit higher than it was last year is because he got paid. We'll follow the money. They obviously love the guy. And I think this might be the year where he surpasses Keenan Allen as the wide receiver one on that. team. Wow. That's another bet. That's another bet. That's another bet. But I think it's completely in the realm of possibilities. Yeah. Especially if the chargers keep getting that red, that red, that red zone to the red zone game after game. I think he's just going to have a lot of opportunity. And I hate to say it because BD is probably over there smirking, looking like Dr. Evil. But Boy needs to stay healthy. If he could stay healthy, I think he can pass. I think he can surpass Keenan. I mean, Keenan's 30 now. He's, I think he's going to yeah. be 31 here yeah, soon. 30. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, <sighs> take, I'll take the chance on Big Mike Willie. Okay, I like it. We're, we're talking, that's a big name right here. I got another big name for you, Stock Down. Austin Eckler. Wow. Austin Eckler is going to cost you the RB6 or the 11th overall off the board. Again, this is one QB. That's all that Fantasy Pros data has. He'd obviously be maybe in a second. Add, knock him down 12 spots if it's super flex, but he still costs you a second round pick. I mean, personally, this isn't the market. This is me. And it's becoming a little more of a trend of mine. I, I think we can officially call it a trend because it's like three times I've knocked a big aging RB on the stock down fading the big name well-performing rbs as they age is just in dynasty i think good practice um, eckler's going to be playing the upcoming season turtle he's going to be age 27 i think his pass catching chops similar to kamara are going to it's going to keep him around and relevant slash usable and fantasy for more years than your traditional between the tackles bruiser running back He's going to age more gracefully. But what I can tell you is similar to Kamara, his days of being viewed as this, like he's going right now, RB6, a top six option at the position, they are going to fade quickly, you know? And then he's going to, he's still going to be usable like 
the wide receiver, I'm sorry, um, RB, you know, what, 32, RB 30, 36, like when he's around catching passes, more like he was usable prior to breaking out. Like he was still there catching balls from Phillip Rivers and you can use him week to week. Depend on that, you know, not getting you a goose egg because he's catching balls. But who knows when that cliff is going to come. And, and we see it coming sooner and sooner for RBs as of late, as the game becomes more and more brutal. And to me, I think it's time to cash in on a great player and get a B-I-G, all caps, big payout. You won't regret it. You get that big payout. Be happy if he goes and has another good season because you, 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 got, you get your equivalent payout that's going to last you now and for the future and let him kind of fall off the cliff on someone else's team, not yours. Matt, let, me ask you, let me ask Dynasty you a question. Let me ask you a question. Who would, who would you target? If you had Eckler on your team, who would you target? If I could, I would go get, uh, I would go try to get a guy like Javante. Mm-hmm. I would really try to get, yeah, I, I think maybe Najee and Taylor might be a little out of, out of reach. I mean, if you had, but you know, if you're trying to go young, I think you know. I, I think that's where you got to start. Is just say, hey, you know, can I can I get Javante, who's in a timeshare, and then you have a decent RB, but then who knows? Next year you have the ascending dynasty RB. It's going to also mean, depend on context. If you're trying to, maybe you want to slide down a little bit yeah. into like the Joe Mixon range and pick up an additional piece because you still want to contend. I mean, he's an elite asset. People view him as an elite asset. Do you want to take the gamble and try to go get CMC? Or do you want to keep, or do you want to just try to go after Spiller? If you believe in Spiller, and then you could just maybe have have that backfield secured for the next bunch of years. That's, I mean, that's what I thought. That's what I think to myself sometimes. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not trying to rock the boat. I just think it's good practice to, uh, you know, even he's played his age 26 season. It was great. Now he's playing age 27. It's like, how much more of a game of chicken do you want to play? In Dynasty, that is. Sure, in redraft, take them high all day. But if you're get holding the bag in redraft, it's like, okay, the season's over. It sucked. I drafted Eckler early. He fell off a cliff. And Dynasty, that that's going to... You won't be able to move the asset. And and the only way you get an influx of players is, is through the draft. So it might take a long time to rebuild. So, All right, Turtle. Stock down. I think we're a little long today. So give us a stock down and we'll get out of here. Real quick, real quick, and and I said it right here in my notes. I don't think that this player's stock is down. I think it's just neutral, and it's Mike, it's uh, Keenan Allen, and it's just because of his age, thirty years old, and the Mike Williams signing. I think that, like I already said, I think that Mike Williams is going to overtake Keenan Allen this year for the wide receiver one on that team. I think Keenan is still going to be a target hog and huge volumes going his way, but. I think there's a chance that Mike Williams is the best wide receiver on that team going forward. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I guess housekeeping, we're going to try to wrap up the division by division breakdown, maybe Thursday next week. Turtle will aim to record and, and we'll, we'll end that. And then we'll try to get some, uh, some guest spots in after that throughout training camp. You know, we're going to have more stuff to talk about. So news is going to pick up. This time next week, all the um, training camps are going to, all the players will have reported to training camp. Depending on when training camp starts, I think the first seven days, if I'm not mistaken, are um, without pads. 
So if we do get injuries rolling in in those first seven days after people report to training camp, that's not good because that's likely going to be non-contact type injuries, muscle pulls, you know, in, in the best case scenario when we hear that. Then the pads come on and the hits start happening and then we'll, we'll, we're going to get more news on how players look and who gets hurt and how depth charts are shaking out. There's going to be a lot to talk about. So we'll kind of bridge some of that gap by finishing up the divisions. Then we'll get some guests in here, Turtle, I think, to, to help us break down everything that we're hearing on the lead up to kickoff. It's going to be fun. I love it. I'm excited for it. We're getting so close to football season and it's going to be such a fun time this year. Hell yeah. All right. Well, Turtle, have a good weekend. We will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you guys.